Welcome to the East Memorial Ministries podcast. This podcast is the central hub for all audio publications of East Memorial Baptist Church out of Prattville, Alabama. So grab a pen, paper, and your copy of God's Word, and let's study God's truth together. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 and 25 is Olivet Discourse. The Lord has been asked about the coming of the kingdom, the setting up of the kingdom. And obviously, looking at all of what Scripture has to say, both old and new, they're asking about the physical rule and reign of Messiah, the establishment of that kingdom, and what it's going to be like, and when are these things to take place. And so he answers them. And really what we're looking at here is what is going to proceed the, right before the coming of that kingdom, the Messiah being revealed. And in this time frame is what uh, we would refer to as the tribulation period. And so I want to look in chapter 24 as we continue our study verse by verse. And I, I want to read again verses 9 through 14, and we are going to look particularly at verses 13 and 14 today. But I'm going to ask if you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, God says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At the time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And may the Lord God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And you may be seated. Again, as we look at this passage of scripture, we are seeing events that will be unfolding prior to the unveiling of Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are mindful that the Bible does tell us that as time grows nearer for his return, that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's what the Lord says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we understand and we know that things are not going to get better, they're going to get worse. But during this time frame, they are going to get much worse, so much worse, if you would, that the Bible says in Matthew 24 that uh, this is going to be a time of great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world, nor will it ever occur again. So we see this and we understand, and uh, what we see is going to be taking place during the tribulation, and in particular, the latter portion of the tribulation, we see vestiges of these things happening now, and we see it with ever-increasing tendency, just like labor pains, but yet these are not labor pains, but we do know and understand that they are going to get worse. And we've already been looking at this passage of Scripture, but I wanted us to take our time, and the Lord gives to us, if you would, what things are going to be like, and he speaks about it in general, but then he begins to get specific in verse 15, which we will begin to look at next week. But he says in verse 13, it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. Now, is this just applicable during the tribulation period? 
or is it applicable today? Does the Lord talk about endurance? Does he talk about perseverance? Well, in Matthew chapter 10, turn back to Matthew 10 with me. And the question is, is this only applicable to the end time, that is, during the tribulation period, or is it something that applies to us today? In chapter 10 of Matthew, verse 22, the Lord says, You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Now, you understand that when the Lord comes, and we'll look at a number of verses here, those who are enduring right up until the time that he comes, those are the ones who are to be saved or who are saved. And endurance just really reveals who they are. They will be hated. They will be hounded. They will be turned over to authorities. And they will be killed for his name's sake. But the Bible says it right here in chapter 24. Many will fall away. Not only will they fall away, but they will be turning one another in. But it is the one who endures to the end. It is that saving faith, genuine faith, true faith endures. And I would say to you that endurance is a hallmark of genuine, true, saving faith. Salvation produces endurance. Endurance does not produce salvation. There is a difference. Look, if you would, back in Matthew chapter 13, and we have studied this. It's a parable of the sower and the soil. And we understand that there are those who hear the word, and immediately it is snatched away by the enemy, by the prince of the power, by the one who is the ruler of this world. But there is one in verse 20 of Matthew 13. It says, on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And then there's the one on whom sin was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so what you have here as time goes by, that there are those things that encroach upon one's life that takes and moves them away from God and serving God, if you would. And in the end, the reality is that they never were truly believers. They never were truly saved. They were not regenerated, redeemed. I'll never forget sitting in a seminary class, first year seminary, and someone asked about salvation. And I always remember what the professor had to say in that one of the greatest evidences that you are a believer is your continuation in the faith. Why is it that there are so many who do not continue in the faith? Why is it that we understand and know that one of the greatest exit points is high school graduation? People graduate from high school. They were baptized in the church. They were in the church. They were regular in the church. They may have even served in the church. But yet when they hit the world, they're gone. And you don't see them back again. They are worldly. They are lovers of the world and the things of the world. 
And they may come sometimes along the way, maybe Easter, maybe Christmas, maybe because mama gives them a hard time, but they'll come occasionally, but their heart is not here. They do not endure. And when we talk about enduring to the end, can we just say to the end of one's life? One who continues in the faith. What does it mean to endure? And does it only apply during the tribulation period? Or does it apply right now to us? What does this word mean? Going back into the original, it means to resist by holding one's ground. It means to not be moved. To remain steadfast. It's amazing to me and talking with individuals and just principles. I mean, we're living in a time frame when people don't have any principles. They don't have any conviction about much of anything. And I don't want to be political here, but how can a Christian ever go and vote for somebody that is in favor of killing the unborn right up until birth? Why can anybody, how can anybody who calls himself a Christian be in favor of aberrant lifestyles that God calls an abomination, unnatural? But yet, supposedly, we can claim to be good Christians, and we're going to endorse people who kill the unborn. How can that be when God's Word says very much about that? There are a lot of people that claim to be Christians. We know in Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says there'll be many who will say to me that day, Lord, Lord. But he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. We understand right here out of this same passage of Scripture, there are those that claim to be Christians and look like the real thing. They seem like the real thing, but when the world begins to pressure them and the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches begin to, to crowd them, squeeze them, pressure them, they no longer are here. And we see this all the time, do we not? We even understand and know about the wheat and the tares. Sometimes you, much of the time, you can't differentiate between the true and the spurious. But the one who endures, you can understand what and appreciate what is going on. They're being hated. They're being turned over to authorities. They're even being killed. But it is the one who continues steadfastly in the faith, a continuation in the faith. And you understand here, these are those who are living in accordance to the Word of God. They're, they're not superficial. They're not cultural Christians. I mean, we're talking about it in a Bible study this morning that I remember the time when uh, politicians would visit churches round about election time. Well, today you don't see that because they don't want to be identified with biblical Christianity. Oh, they may go visit some toned-down liberal gathering. But it used to be when I was growing up, if you were running for citywide or statewide or countywide or uh, office, you're going to make the rounds to the more prominent churches and let it be seen. But not today. But who are those who endure? Is it that they're here for a while? You got your name on the roll of the church, but you're no longer here. What does it mean to endure? What does it mean to, to live, to be steadfast, to stand one's ground? Does that mean just simply to say, I believe in God? I don't think that's what he's talking about, not at all. 
Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. I'm not sure what we think enduring to the end means, but oftentimes it's simply to say that, well, I don't deny that there is a God. Well, can I remind you this morning that James 2.19 tells us, if you believe that there is one God, you do well. The demons believe and tremble. It's far beyond just some sort of intellectual assent that there is a God. You know, what it means here is to acknowledge him as one's Lord and Savior, to live for him, to honor him, to submit to him, to submit to the authority of his word. Enduring to the end doesn't mean that I'm just a church member. It is sad to think and to say and even confess today as a pastor for many years that you deal with people and one of the most difficult things is when one has a loved one who dies. Now little Johnny walked down the aisle of the church when he was 11 or 12 years old made a profession of faith, baptized. Little Johnny grew up. His high school years, he was in church, participated in the youth group, but really didn't have a heart for God. Little Johnny graduates high school, goes off to college, and turns his back on Christ, church, the things of God, and the Word of God. And he gets involved in ungodly things, worldly things. Little Johnny now is 45 years old, and little Johnny dies. He ministered to the family. Now, I'm not talking about Johnny, Johnny, okay? But Mama knows that little Johnny's in heaven today because he made a profession of faith, walked down the aisle of the church, and somebody said, write down the date that you got saved on the inside cover of your Bible, and you write down the date that you got baptized, and if you ever doubt your salvation, you just remind the devil about that date right there. And so mama is convinced that little Johnny is in heaven because little Johnny walked down the aisle of a church, prayed a prayer, got baptized, but yet walked out, never lived a day for Christ, lived a life of a reprobate, no differentiation between his life and the one who hates God, the one who denies God, but yet we know that little Johnny's in heaven because little Johnny made a profession of faith. Is that really biblical Christianity? Second Corinthians makes it very clear we're to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith. Test yourselves. Know this not about yourself, that Christ is in you unless you fail the test. KJV says, lest you be found reprobate. Endurance. Endurance doesn't mean that I just give, again, some intellectual assent that there is a creator God. 
No, it means to be bound to him, to honor him, to live for him. doesn't mean that our life is perfect. doesn't mean that we don't go through perhaps seasons or, or times in our life that we're, we're not being fully compliant, submissive, and obedient. I wish it was like this, that when I got saved and this is Christ and there was a straight line that went from where I got saved to where Christ is. I wish it was like this, but in reality it's like this, is it not? Good, and there's times and there's seasons, but you put a straight line on it, it all should be towards Christ. He's the one who endures. What does it mean to endure? It means to continue to be faithful. It means to continue in the faith. What you have here in Revelation that people are being turned over to authorities for their faith. They're being handed over just even by, or turned in by family members. And even being put to death. It reminds you of those that Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you must be willing to what? Lose it. And so it is. We see this in endurance to the end. Does it apply just to the end times or does it apply to today? It applies for today as well. Let's look at this word a little bit. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2, if you would. Romans 2. Listen to what the word of God has to say. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor in immortality and eternal life but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness wrath and indignation and so you've got the contrast of verse 7 those who persevere in doing good who are doing what is right in accordance to the word of God and what the they receive is eternal life contrasted to those who are selfishly ambitious they only want what they want the way they want and they want it when they want it and they do not submit and obey and trust the truth but they obey in unrighteousness and what they have to look forward to is wrath and indignation Look, if you would, Romans 11. Turn to Romans 11. And Romans 11, he's talking about Israel. But nonetheless, listen to what it says in verse 22. Behold, then the kindness and severity of God. You stop right here for a second. You understand what I just read? The kindness and severity of God. Th those words are not compatible together. And our world does not like the idea of judgment or severity. But listen to what it says. He says, the kindness and severity of God to those who fail, severity. But to you, that is who are believers, God's kindness. Listen to this. If you continue in his kindness. So you're talking about endurance and perseverance and uh, continue in. And again, I'm going to say this one more time. Endurance does not bring about salvation. 
endurance is a result of salvation. Because you are saved, because you are genuine, we do endure. Why is it that there are those who can walk away and they, you can't get them back? you got to be doing something special in order to get them back. Whatever happened to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ? Whatever happened to, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments? Well, we're living in a world today that even as you see in Matthew 24, whose love, the love of Christ has grown cold. They walk. They leave. They don't endure. Look in Hebrews chapter 3, if you would. And again, we've got to ask ourselves, does this hold for us? And if these things are true today, how much more in this time frame known as a tribulation? Now, let me say this as well. What do you find in the tribulation when people are being killed? It really thins out the spurious. It separates the goats from the sheep. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 25, later on in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus says he will separate the goats from the sheep. I'm afraid that all too often many of our churches are filled with goats and not sheep. And not only that, we're trying to make sheep out of goats. Jesus says, my flock, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. Pretty straightforward. Not a lot of guessing that's taking place here. Look in chapter 3 of Hebrews and verse 6. The Bible says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, listen to this, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. See, he's not writing here addressing those who are alive during the tribulation period. He's talking about those who are alive that he sent this, this letter is being sent to. Look down if you would. Not only that, but down in verse 14, he says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. Well, what we have, we have people that come and check out the club the social group, and we'll make friends and develop some friendships and we'll hang here a little bit. But when it no longer is appealing, when perhaps our friends depart, then we slide out. But we forget that it's not allegiance to a denomination. It's not allegiance to a church, it's not allegiance to a social group or a fellowship group, or it, listen to this, it's not even allegiance to family. It's allegiance to Christ. It's allegiance to Almighty God in accordance to His Word. Jesus made it very plain, if you love your mother or father more than you love me, you're not worthy of being my disciple. Friend, if it's about the social, we've missed it. If it's about the fellowship, we missed it. Oh, I like the fellowship, and I like the social. And, and there's certainly an aspect of that. But that's not the reason. 
and that's not the why. But we endure because we are a new creation. God lives within us. And there's something within us because we are indwelt by the Spirit of God that draws us to Him, that causes us, even as the Bible says in Romans 8, to cry out, Abba, Father. We love the bride. We love the body. We love His Word. We love the brethren. And even in Thessalonians, the Bible says God Himself teaches us to love the brethren. You don't have to go to a study course to learn to love the brethren. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19, the reason they did not endure, the Bible says they went out from us, but they all were not of us. You understand that? That there are those who leave that they really are not of us. But it says there they went out from us in order that it may be made manifest that they all are not of us. It pains me anytime anybody would leave. It hurts. And let me just say this. Not everybody that leaves is not a true and genuine believer. But there are those who walk. Many of which are not believers. And I would remind you again in Matthew 7. Jesus says there is a gate that says heaven. That is easy, is wide, and is broad. And many enter that thinking that's heaven. And then there's a gate that is very restricted, is very narrow, to the point one person at a time goes through. The qualifications, the requirements, the standards are very clear. And it is by way of the cross. It is through Christ and Christ alone. You've got the many who enter the easy gate. You've got few that enter this other gate. And then in that same context, there are those who do not keep God's word, who expect to go to heaven, and one day will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Endurance. Endurance has to do with continuing in the faith endurance has to do with living for Christ come what may the Bible says if you endure to the end you will be saved that is endurance again does not save endurance is proof of salvation it's evidence of salvation but what you find here is is what you turn with me to Revelation 12 now we're talking about in particular in Matthew 24 you're talking about the time frame that's going to be a horrendous time frame, the likes of which the world has never seen, nor will ever seen. And the Bible says, had those days not been short, not even the elect would have been able to endure. But if you would, look in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, that is the Antichrist and the devil, and because of the word of their testimony, now get this, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. See, when push comes to shove, they were more interested and desirous of honoring Christ 
and living for him, even to the point it cost them their own lives. Does not Jesus say, if you're going to be his disciple, you must take up your cross and you must deny yourself. Perseverance, the continuation in the faith, not simply acknowledging. In the time of the great tribulation when most believers are being killed for their faith in Christ, these are those who continue in the faith through it all. And so it is not because of threats or the society or the culture that they're falling away. No, they continue. They continue in the faith. They continue to live for him, even though it will perhaps cost them their lives. Today, people don't remain faithful during what we would say are easy times compared to what it will be like then. And even Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he? Will he find us faithful? Will he find faith? You know, there was a, an article by somebody in Baptist Life that's well known, and I know his name, but I'm not want of citing it this morning, but made the statement at the very beginning of COVID that in his estimation slash guesstimation that when COVID was over, his thought was at least 20% of the church will never return. Now, I understand the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembly together of ourselves as is the habit of some. So I understand you can get out of the habit. And I understand as well that there are those with real physical, genuine physical issues that do not need to be exposed outside to anything or anyone. I understand that and get that. But also understand at the same time that you can't get on television what you can get when the body is together. Now, you can say that and use as an excuse to some degree. While I like looking at pictures of the beach, Listen to me. I'll use poor English. It ain't the same as going to the beach. Amen? Just think about it. It's not the same. God has made us for fellowship, to encourage one another unto good deeds. Endurance. There's something in the life of the believer that says, I need to be with other believers. I need to be with the brethren. I just need to be there. I need to sing with others. I need to worship with others. There's those who will endure to the end, the continuation of faith. Recognize that COVID may have run at least 20% off. But you have to ask yourself, and listen, I'm not saying anything against those who have genuine physical issues and concerns. But I am saying God has made us to come together for worship. But go back to Matthew 24, and let's look here real quick. It is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. It's not because of the endurance that they'll be saved. It's because they're saved, they will endure. Then it says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, you understand that before the Lord comes to establish the kingdom, that there's going to be 
the gospel that's going to be preached to the entire nation. And I realize that there are many languages, even to this very present day, that do not have a gospel witness. There, there are millions and millions of people that have never heard the name of Christ. They've never had a gospel presentation. But there's coming a day when the entire world will hear and will be exposed to the gospel. Now, you ask yourself, what is the gospel? The core of the gospel is found really in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the first three or four verses there. And it's all done, and the Bible says it's all in accordance to the Scripture. Jesus Christ, crucified for our sin, buried, raised again, and appearing to many. But the gospel of the kingdom begins with the acknowledgement that there is a king. If there's going to be a kingdom, there's got to be a king, and the king is Christ. And the Bible tells us that this gospel is going to be preached to the entire world. Now, we've looked at this, but I want you to go back to Revelation 14. Prior to Christ coming in his glory to establish the kingdom, it's as if the Lord, in one great act of grace and mercy, and really to demonstrate the sinfulness of man, will proclaim the gospel to the entire world. Now, you know, sometimes I wonder, why doesn't God go ahead and do it like this right now? Well, he has chosen you and me to go and tell. He has commissioned us to go and tell, and we are supposed to do that. And I would remind all of us that when Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus, not the Lazarus whom he raised from the dead, but the Lazarus who was the poor man who ate the crumbs off of the rich man's table, one dies and goes to hell, the other one dies and goes to heaven. And the guy in hell, in torment, great torment, is desirous for Father Abraham, which is a euphemism for God, to, to go and tell his brothers who are still alive so they would be warned not to come to this place. And the Lord responds by saying, if they'll not believe Moses and the prophets, they will not believe even though someone were to come from the dead. So if they won't believe what the word says, they're not going to believe even if somebody were to come back. But God in mercy at the end of the tribulation period, listen to what Revelation 14 verse 6 says. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And this is what he said, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth, and sea, and springs of water. Worship God who is creator, because he is coming and he is going to judge. The first word out of his mouth, fear God. I don't know if you noticed a while ago, but in Psalm 34, I just read, how many times did you hear fear God, fear God, fear God? And we're living in a time frame when there is no fear of God. 
I, I mean, there are those who say they speak for God, but they don't speak for God. They're false prophets. There are those who will go and, um, you know, be proponents for aberrant lifestyles. There is no fear of God. There is no fear for what God says. But the first thing that comes from this angel is fear God. And he is to be feared. In Proverbs 1, 7, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. People saunter in, sing some songs, have some sort of religious experience, and go out and live any way they want to live. But the Bible is very clear that you and I are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling wherewith we've been called. We are to be trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord and then to do what it says, which again is a hallmark of a believer. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. A lot of verses I'd like for us to look at, just don't have time. But a great study is to fear the Lord. Why? Because he's creator. Why fear him? Because he is going to judge sin. Why fear him? Because he has already determined what sin is. doesn't get voted on by the population. It doesn't get debated in the legislature. It is not judicated by judges, and it's not even let out by executive order of those in high office. Right and wrong, sin, unrighteousness, and righteousness is determined by the Word of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil. God is going to make known to every nation, every tongue, every tribe, and he's going to do it, make gospel known through an angel flying in mid-heaven. Now, I, I don't fully comprehend and understand, but I just believe that's what it says. And so he's going to make, make it all known. Not only that, but there's going to be the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11. The Bible says that these two witnesses are going, are going to be to have power, such as if anyone wants to do them harm, that fire will come out of their mouth and consume those who want to do them harm. The Bible also says that these two witnesses will be slain, and the whole world will celebrate. Why will they celebrate? Because it's the same way they do today, when, when they suppress the truth of God's Word. They try to silence biblical Christianity. Apostate Christianity, that's fine and good. We're okay with that. But biblical Christianity, which will say very clearly what is right and what is wrong, what is sinful, what is an abomination to God, that we've got to do away with. We can't have that. So the whole world in Revelation 11 will come together and give gifts to one another when these two witnesses are dead. 
And then the Bible says in Revelation 11, they'll come back to life and the whole world will see it. You see, there'll be a lot of people that get saved during the tribulation, just that most of them will die because of their faith. And not only that, you have the 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe in verses 4 through 8 and 9 through 10. And many will be saved as a result of that. And then you've got this angel flying in mid-heaven, circling the earth and proclaiming the, the gospel message. Where is the fear of God in our life today? Where is the fear of God in society today? Is it an ignorance of God? An ignorance of the things of God? I can, I'm old enough. remember watching the Olympics and rooting for America's hope in a special event. And he won. He won. Bruce Jenner. He won. But his name's no longer Bruce. He's went through a transition and there was an interview not too many months back and your heart kind of goes out for the individual because in the interview Bruce who is now Caitlin I think or something like that whatever it is was saying that when time comes and they are before God, they hope that God will accept them and look at the good and the good will outweigh the bad and the sincerity of trying to be who he, she really is. And that was being said through tears. And I, I, I just I can't help but think how sad that is. That you're wanting to go to heaven. Desirous of going to heaven. Maybe even a degree of expectation of heaven. But I don't know how more mixed up one can be. When it comes to a complete and total ignorance of what the Word of God has to say about stuff like that. Now, does that mean that there is no hope? No, there's, there's hope. But hope in Christ comes after confession and repentance. And as long as there's breath, you pray for that. But I thought to myself watching that interview, and my heart went out. Did, did somebody... Where, and, and in that interview, Jenner had talked with, I'm not sure what pronoun to use here, with her pastor. And I thought to myself as I watched that interview, what kind of pastor and what kind of advice would you give to such a person? And we're living in a world today that is convoluted. 
We're living in the days of Isaiah 5 where right is called wrong and wrong is called right. But listen, friend, if you want to know what is true and what is right, you need to be in the Word. Now listen, things are getting worse. But we don't have a clue as to how bad it's going to be during the tribulation period. The Bible says that if those days had not been shortened, not even the elect would have survived. And the only, the only question that matters to any of us is are we truly believers? Are we continuing in the faith, loving and serving? I'm not talking about spectators. There is no spectator aspect of Christianity. You see, today, today the church is filled with spectators. They come, they're entertained, and they leave. They're not engaged. They don't give of themselves. They, it doesn't cost them. They come, they have some sort of experience, and they're gone. That's not Christianity. Where are you serving? Where are you engaged? Where are you giving of yourself? Those who endure to the end, they will be saved. And the gospel is going to be preached to everybody, everybody. And the Lord will see to it. But the only thing for us today is, are we ready when the day comes? Now, it may be sooner or it may be later. But are you ready? We are glad you joined us today. If you have any questions about what was discussed on today's podcast, send us a message on Facebook. Email us at info at eastmemorial.org or call our church office at 334-365-7500. Thanks for listening.